This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. Sweet. All right. Well, guys, so welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. Uh, we're going to cover some pretty important topics that we've touched on briefly before this episode, but we really want to get into the weeds on them. Uh, and that's basically ways to save time while trading, while dealing with vendors, while selling on Facebook, you know, whatever it is, just some tips when you're first like getting your feet wet in the water, what, uh, what you should do. I also wanted to mention, and this was asked in the discord, why we haven't changed the intro yet, because the intro does mention that there's three of us, yep. uh, which of course, you know, it, there's only two now. Um, Wode is under a contractual obligation to return at some point. So we haven't changed it because uh, frankly, I'm lazy. So once once he's back, it'll be right. And yes. that's the important thing. Oh yeah. I'm, so We'll have that's... the third voice of reason on here or first voice of reason, one or the other. Yeah, basically. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. Yep. Uh, so we have a couple of subtopics to talk about today, and the first one we wanted to go over is just uh, regular trading. You know, face to face. You know, you sit down across from somebody with their binder, and you're just going to to go through and take a look to see if there's anything that you're interested in. Let's say you don't have anything in particular in mind because you're at F and M and you're trading with somebody. Yeah. Well, for me at this point in time, you know, in the year of our Lord 2K19, it's first it's tantamount that you organize your binder and. Please. That could be uh, by price, if that's what works for you, but color preferably. <clears throat> there used to be a time beforehand where you could just throw a bunch of mishmash in your binder and have a heater every couple of pages to just keep people looking through your binders, and it was this weird like pseudo-marketing technique to get people to look through your binders and eventually pull enough stuff to make some kind of trade happen. It was very common at GPs, and it was yeah. actually a practice that I was admonished on several times by binder grinders at GPs. It's like, if you don't do this, you're just not going to make the trades you need to to be able to survive. That's not the way things are done anymore. That was basically before everybody had a smartphone and could just yeah. check prices on the fly. Now, organization is key because people value their time a lot more than they did before. If they're going to grind, they have to grind quickly and efficiently. And if your binder is not organized in some fashion that is easily explainable to this person, they might just pass before they're halfway done with that yeah. binder. So to me, that is first and foremost when you're just sitting down. You know, if Jason and I were to sit down and trade, I would expect his binder to be sorted to some degree. Yep. So uh, it, The sorted by color is probably the best. Wooberg is usually the way that a lot of people go. Yep. But it doesn't actually matter. For example... For those of you that are old, may remember Inquest magazine. Mm -hmm. They sorted things in alphabetical by color. It was artifact, black, blue, gold, green, red, white, and then land at the end. Yes. I still organize that way because that's the way I started, and mm -hmm. I'm too damn old to change now. But it's organized, and it's sorted by color, which most of the time what you're doing is you're gonna, they're going to sit down and they're going to say, okay, well, this is what I want. Um, where's your white cards? I need Ley Line of Sanctity right now. Yep. And they'll flip straight to the white cards and look, and then they'll browse the rest. Mm -hmm. You'll often find, and this is, you know, except at vendor tables where you can't really say no, you know, piss off, I don't want to deal with it. Uh, I, I have actually seen people close a binder because it's not organized and just move along with their day. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, I'll go through like a little kid's binder at FNM if they want to take a look through myself just to see whatever. But it, like, and I expect that to be fully unsorted. But I will not deal with an entire. If somebody hands me a monster binder or a D ring, I'm not going through that if it's unsorted. I'll take color, price, anything. Uh, yeah. Even alphabetical because I can. I know how the Dewey Decimal System works. I can make my way through that one. <laughs> but fair. That that's for uh, like that in person. Maybe you're sitting down with one or two other people to trade with. It's kind of a small circle thing. You're not looking to pull a lot out of this. Yeah. If you want to step up and you want to look at something like volume trading, then there's a lot more that you can do here. And uh, something we've talked about in the past on a handful of occasions would be the infamous Ogre Box, which is basically just binding your cards by price, or banding your cards by price, either in uh, a one row or something like that, or within your binder. Yeah. That's, that's huge, especially if you just want to move a high volume of cards. But if yeah. you wanted to move a high volume of cards for, let's say, one or two, then one of the things you're definitely going to need to do is one know what you're looking for. Yep. If you're just perusing and you just want to get rid of a bunch of stuff or you don't know what, a lot of people won't deal with you, because high volume traders are going to look to get you that one, those one or two things in particular that you want, because it's worth their time to take all those cards back. Um, yep. On their end, and to go with the ogre box, if you're not going to do that, know your numbers ahead of time. If you've got to sit down and look up a lot of chaff. Again, people will pass on on high volume trades because again, they're working on what they want to be a high ROI. Yeah, like they value the human capital in this, so you have to be mindful and respectful of, of people who are willing to do trades like this, even with a vendor. You know, this is yeah. super important when you're when you're doing that. And one of the things I think that is kind of unspoken here is also be ready and willing to negotiate on both ends. Yeah, if you're not ready to do that you'll lose out you'll lose some percentage here and there but it'll also give you some leverage in what you're trying to do if you're just trying to get rid of you know a bunch of dollar cards it's probably going to be more worth your time to know how to negotiate that for one or two things as opposed to a lot of little things or making somebody go through everything if you have a firm price in mind and then you're willing to negotiate on that price back and forth yeah uh i think the other thing too is you know keeping in mind that negotiation process is different based on your setting. You know, like you mm -hmm. go to an LGS and you really can't. You go to a vendor and there's a little bit of wiggle room. Yep. Uh, but when you're trading with someone like just that is also has a binder at a GP or something, there's uh, one guy traded with at Columbus a couple years ago, did a literal floor trade outside the convention with him where we were on the floor with multiple binders out still talk to him, still deal with him constantly. It was just such a positive experience. And it was very much a like, okay, well, you know, I can't like, yeah, we may be $5 off, but really, you know, is it worth negotiating the yeah. five or do we want to just call it even and leave on good terms and do more business later? Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, what we've been doing. Yeah. Willing to eat a loss is, uh, is important there. You know, yeah. uh, the, when you're doing that in-person thing, there's really no idea of, uh, the trade bonus, which is basically the a vendor kind of getting ready slash willing to accept a kind of a, a weird kind of a loss. Uh, I would rather yeah. trade all day long as a vendor than buy because my money technically goes further that way. But I'm also, like I said, accepting a, a little bit of weird loss on that one because I'm giving you more value 
for your cards than you would generally expect. So I'm already ceding that point to you, that, that yeah. negotiation. That is also why when you go to negotiate a price for a card with a vendor after you've done a trade, most will not continue to negotiate because they've already given you that bump. They've already yep. pre-negotiated with you that your cards are worth more because of that credit. So they're not going yep. to negotiate their price down on that card because they've already negotiated yours up. So yep. that, keep that in mind. It's not necessary to this topic, but it is something good to keep in mind overall. Yeah, and it's it's also, you know, most vendors, what I've found, and this is something that I don't think a lot of people do, it shows when they're going to vendors. Uh, a lot of vendors will take a hit on the price of a card if you're offering cash. Yes. So sometimes it actually does behoove you to shop around and say, okay, who's paying the most cash on this card? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go to them, I'm going to get the cash, and then I'm going to go over to some other vendor where they'll probably take, you know, 5 to 10% off if we pay in cash. Yep. And like, okay, well, you're, you know, the credit bump may be 20% at this vendor. But if I can get a piece of power for, you know, $200 off and this piece is paying, you know, 30% more in cash, obviously I'm going to do that. Yeah. It just makes more sense. Yeah. I, and just, you know, it goes back to knowing the value of your cards and what you're shopping with. Yeah. I have a stream of consciousness uh, document that I never released from two GPNJs ago where I basically started that pro I, I detail my process and I'm pretty sure I've talked about this ahead of time uh, a month in advance. You know, had everything lined up, got my buy list on site just to re-verify, shopped everything around and walked out of there with a sapphire and two drops because I put the time in to do that. And the same yep. thing, this past GPNJ, I walked in there, uh, pre-buy listed everything in a sense that I had all my numbers. I then yep. went in and grabbed all the buy lists I could and uh, priced everything again later that night at the hotel room, making sure that everything was still going to the same places. It turns out some weren't. I was going to get more than the highest offer online on site from other vendors. And I went yeah. between two vendors and paid uh, out of pocket, I think, 1100 after trade for a near mint unlimited pearl. Not bad. No. I took a little bit of a hit because I paid tax on it since it was card. Uh, but I knew. Yeah. I knew there was a very high chance that was going to happen. Again, uh, another thing to remember when you're dealing with a lot of companies is not everybody will eat the tax on a yep. credit card transaction either with square or paypal what have you they yep. will put the tax on your end the customer as appropriate so yeah uh and it's not you know it's literally just one of the advantages of paying cash is that you don't have to the decimal point documenting yep so you can just say our cash out at this show is you know 30 grand or something Whereas with credit card, you know, all that stuff gets reported exactly. So yeah. they have to pay the tax. Like, we ha it has to be above board at that point. Correct. And because uh, the majority of this transaction was cash, I was able to negotiate down. Maybe it was 1100 cash and like 600 credit or something like that. But I negotiated the price down because it was over 60% cash. Yeah, that's still not bad at all. No, not at all. For Their, their pro was super reasonable. But I literally checked every... I had a pad and paper. I was one of those people. Yep. And as a vendor, you know those people. They're not there to do business yeah. the first time they walk up to the booth. They're no. there to shop, to shop the room for exactly yeah. what they want, like we mentioned before, and mm -hmm. then they will come back and do a business with you. Yeah, and there was uh, – at Detroit, we had a guy come up, and he says, here's my list of cards. I'm going to go give this exact piece of paper to every vendor. Yep. I just want to know what you have and how much it is. Oh, yeah. We got and one I was like, okay, do you want to sit here? And he's like, I mean, if you're fine just filling it out, I mean, I, I can go. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. So filled it out for him. He came back and 
he was like, look, you did great. You have quite a few of them here. We'll be back. And sure enough, he came back. It's yeah. just I don't think that he guy wasn't ever... there to do business. Nope. He was there to shop. We got a, the I think the same printed out list, and I wrote down like, I was the one that took the list and wrote down all the prices, and then yeah. he must have bought everything before he came back to us, which was fine. But yeah, that, I love that when yeah. somebody knows what they want and they're willing to just kind of let it ruminate with you, and you pull everything and mark everything down. Like those guys yeah. are very concise with their business; they don't linger. They're just there to be in and out. I love them as a vendor. Yeah, they're they're great to work with mm-hmm. because they know what they want. They're in, they're out. It's over. Yeah, it's perfect. So speaking of the vendor interaction, selling. Yes. So time savers while selling, uh, and I want to talk about this uh, both from a person to person and person to vendor uh, perspective, which is fa- to me for me fairly similar. Yeah. Uh, a lot of what I said above still stands. Know your prices. Know what you're looking for. Uh, if you're doing a, a large volume, you don't have to know the prices on everything, and you can negotiate, so that is also important. You can negotiate individual cards or maybe the price at the end. But yeah. uh, if if I'm going to work with you as an individual and it's just us, you don't have to worry about pulling your cards from your binders, ordering them, sleeve, unsleeving them, etc. I'm fine doing that because I generally deal in lower volume, uh, tra- higher dollar, lower volume uh, buys. Yeah. Even when I'm working uh, local events here, or I'm out at conventions buying. I don't mind unsleeving stuff as I go through after I check the price to ensure we want them. When I'm yeah. behind the booth at a Magic Fest, if your stuff isn't unsleeved, that is a time waster. And it kills productivity on both ends. So my yep. suggestion here is unsleeve everything. If it's Please. a high dollar card and you want to keep it in the perfect fit until you get to me, that's fine. But as you're handing it to me, start to pop it out. Yeah. So I can at least pull it, check condition, and then check the price and quote you want it. Every time I have to do that myself, I'm adding seconds onto a transaction that basically slows the both of us down. And I'm there as a vendor to just be as efficient as possible and buy as many cards as possible in the time that I am mm-hmm. allotted. As somebody who's selling cards, your job is to make as much money as you can in as little time as possible because the human capital on your end can be extravagant and be the killer of how much you're going to make in this transaction. Yep. Now, I won't pass on cards because they're sleeved. It's just going to take time. Yeah. Uh, I will admit, I also will not pass on cards if they're sleeved. But I would be lying if I have not heard of some vendors who, like, man, I just spent three hours unsleeving all of your cards. So my numbers are lower now because you cut into my margins. Oh, yeah. And now, like, I, I have to pay you less so I can actually make money on this card. Because, you know, if you come up with a 5K and you're like, oh, this is all ogre boxed out, here's the prices, and everything's sleeved, you, you best believe that, you know, there's overhead associated with that. Oh, yeah. So it's going to get affected. Yeah, and I, if I can't guarantee that every card meets the conditions I need, then I'm definitely going to shoot lower because of that, especially if you're just like, here, buy this. I can't buy it all at near mint without inspecting it. And if I yep. don't have the, the time to do that, then yeah, in all honesty, I'm going to have to shoot lower to, to some degree. Yeah. That's um, just how it is. Yeah. And never ask me if your sleeves back if you hand me that many cards. No. I'm going to be. Absolutely not. I don't even think I'll de sleeve it by the time it gets back to the warehouse. No. Ab- absolutely. If not. it's a small I, deal, that's fine. Or if I'm de sleeving it as I'm going and you ask me for your sleeves as we're going, fine. But at the end of the transaction, you're not getting those bad boys back, man. <laughs> it is no. way past the time. Uh, the other thing is, and I've learned this over time by sitting down with uh, and doing my own shopping, like I mentioned, is for some reason not everybody handles a perfect fit properly. Yeah, I've had a number of uh, people ask me to pop out 
my cards from Perfect Fit. So that means uh, I've been generally Perfect Fit anything that I play in Modern, Legacy, and Older, right? Yeah. So my fetches, my thought seizes, anything like that, right? And they'll ask me to push them out because they have uh, an inability to just push ever so gently. They might push too hard and they've bent cards, etc. So especially perfect hearts that happens a lot with perfect hearts um and i i think it's okay like like you said you need to be mindful that not everyone knows how to handle them Mm -hmm. and while yes it makes organization easy things look nice and neat with just little perfect fits on them it's way easier for someone to remove a card from a sleeve like this a dragon shield yeah than it is a perfect fit so you know i there have been times where like if power comes up to a booth obviously look you can take it out of this sleeve. Yeah. Because while I know how to handle cards in perfect fits, I I can't guarantee I'm not incidentally like going to sneeze or something and all of a sudden the card like cracks. Exactly. Or the liability know? on your end is much higher as the vendor taking it out of all sleeves than just letting the person who owns that piece currently do that. No, that, that's understandable. Yeah. Something people need to remember. As well as working with these sleeves is a dexterity issue. And despite the fact that this person might be a vendor and you would suspect that they work with these quote-unquote all day long so they should know how to deal with this, it's still a manual dexterity issue. If they Yeah. And if they can't do it, if they're just not dexterous enough for one reason or another, so be it. Just yeah. take care of it yourself and don't, don't chide them for it. So uh, for me, uh, that's selling. Uh, the other thing I like to a degree is that if somebody's going to come up to me and it's happened a few times and they say, here, buy this EDH deck, they just give me the entire EDH deck and do not hem and haw over, well, I want this key, this card or that card. No, yeah. they just hand me the 99 in the general and then I price it all out, give them the total, and then I buy it all. The same thing yeah. with a binder. I don't yeah. mind going through an entire binder and shooting prices, but if you want me to buy the entire binder and you tell me, price this bad boy, yeah, go, no. I'll price I'm everything sorry. in there. No, I will. Yeah. Uh, I'll do that. I, I love doing that. If I don't have to sit there and, like, poke and prod for each card and, like, battle back and forth like that, if it's just, here, sum this out for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll do that. That That is that is probably the best way to do it. And I think that, you know, something that a lot of people don't take into account, because I've had people do that. And then they'll say, oh, you know, I can get, you know, the TCG value is this much. I'm like, okay, sure, that may be the TCG value, but, like, how much cash are you going to get if you put it on TCG? Yeah. How much time is that going to take? I'm offering to say, all right, right now I am saving you time because you are effectively paying me by taking this cut on what you're getting to save you the time. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, when they go to a booth, they don't necessarily have in mind that like, yeah, obviously they're going to give you less than TCG Mm -hmm. because they're saving you time and like all right can i save more by selling this now or how much time am i going to lose selling it just like people think about it all the time when they buy yeah how much time am i saving buying it now can i trade for this card or just buy it in cash it works that way for selling too and Mm -hmm. i don't think a lot of people necessarily think about that when they get up to a vendor when they say you know this is what i've got like the amount of people that come up to a booth and i'm sure you've seen it well it's on tcg for this much you're oh, only yeah. giving me this much well i i, I gotta make something yeah you I know had, i had a conversation with somebody i forgot what card it was about at detroit they were they wanted us to lower our price on a card which is fine because we we will meet uh prices when 
like Amazon, if necessary, uh, yeah. yeah, like Best Buy, we'll price match if it aligns with what we're paying for the card and thus our profit margin. Yeah. But this was a, a fairly high price card that we brought down with us that so we took off the website where it was selling to put in the case. So we had it priced appropriately. Uh, this person wanted us to meet TCG player, which is like two thirds the price. And yeah. I just can't lose 30 some percent on a card that I know I could put back on my website and sell within a day. Yeah. For Especially the after the conversion since, you know, faces selling okay. a cab, yeah. you know, you can't, you can't do that. No. And it, for some people, it's a little weird because they just think of TCG player as another vendor, not a free market economy, which it is. Yeah. And Best Buy doesn't match Amazon for the exact no. same reason. Best Buy will price match. If people have, haven't heard about that, they will. So if you can find flyers for like PC Richards or whatever, out, yeah. whoever sells consumer electronics doesn't Best Buy, they will price match it. They've been doing it yeah. since the, the recession in like 2008 or maybe earlier. Yeah, but they tell you they will not match Amazon because that's a free market economy where people are free to just run the prices into the ground. Whatever they want to do. Exactly. I, there's uh, Micro Center. They will price oh, yeah, yeah. match PC Amazon on one condition. It's sold by Amazon. Yes. But yeah. at that point, you know, you're not you're paying retail. It's not like all the Joe Schmoes that are selling it on Amazon where it fell off the back of a truck. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, they have it laying around or they want it in some contest and like, yeah. oh, I have this free TV. I can sell it for 200 bucks. Yep. Well, it, yeah, obviously yeah. people can't always match that. No, I think that this is actually a good point to kind of hold on for the second that we did, which is just that the free market economy when it comes to working with a vendor doesn't always work out in your favor. A lot of times you're just going to get pushback because that gap is so wide as people run cards into the ground to get them out of stock, especially new sellers. New sellers have to price aggressively low to get those numbers yeah. and get to level four to be able to sell real cards at real volume at real rates. Yeah. So it is cutthroat out there for those people. And as a vendor on site, I just can't match those prices. Outside yeah. of that, when I'm doing work myself, I absolutely price by TCG player because that's the free market economy. To me, that's yeah. what matters. When it comes to buying, I have two or three buy lists that I look at when I'm looking at certain cards, and those are the numbers I go off of. They're not always like 60% of TCG, which is what a lot of people expect, but they do get they do get the job done. Yeah, I think that's an expectation that needs to just kind of be level set with people as a whole. And to understand the interaction between vendors is very important. And it's not a waste of time to go up to somebody and say, here, price this and walk away because you don't like the price. That's perfectly fine. Not every vendor yeah. needs every, cards at, uh, sorry, every card at a price you're hoping for. Some vendors specialize in EDH, some modern, some others. And that's perfectly fine. It is, we, as a vendor, it is frustrating to have that happen because you want to try and win everything. Yeah. Like everything that walks sure. up, you just want to vacuum in. But we understand that for the consumer, it's best for them to shop around. And we're, we try to be as aggressive as we can when we know we can be. But expectations, you know. Yeah, and part of it, too, is, you know, like, you talk about vendors specializing in certain things. The other thing is, like, European vendors pay more for old school cards. They 100%. just do. Yeah. So, you know, if you walk up to someone and you think the number's low and you're like, well, they're paying, you know, twice that. Sure. Of course they are. They're, you know, from Europe. Yeah, they have so the So they can sell it for three times what we do. Uh, and it's, you know, a lot of times, like, people go to Magic Corner and they'll say, well, Magic Corner is selling this for so much cheaper. Well, that's because it doesn't sell there. Oh, yeah. So get it from them. And I, I just, it's... I, I have a, a good anecdotal story about this from Detroit as well. Uh, on our hot list, we had Valks 
for like 80% of US or of TCG market. And we had a handful of vendors sell us their Valks. Why? Because they were selling for 800 CAD on the site and they were currently zero in stock. 800 Jeez. CAD is like 640. That's like SCG retail price. And, they, and there was zero in stock, which meant that when we yeah. put them in the case, because we bought them at our buy price appropriate for the site, they did go in at a much higher number than people were expecting. I think we were, like, everybody was kind of amazed behind the booth at all these numbers and, and the $200 difference between the U.S. market and the Canadian market. Yeah. But that's just the way it is for us, for certain cards like that. You know, uh, Face basically had, they have their own tournament series. They run the legacy environment up there. People want duels. There's one place to go. So the market can bear an 800 CAD Valk at the time. Yeah. But it meant that we were buying them at a really aggressive price for a very long time in that room. Yeah. We just weren't seeing a lot of sales because they were 640 US when you could hit TCG player and buy it for four and change. Yeah. So it's like, come see, come saw. Because we, we just put them on the site and they sold. You know, yeah. So it goes. But, uh, one more aspect to uh, the selling, trading, buying platform that we're talking about. And this is kind of a late addition. And, yeah. Because... Uh, you're an admin in some groups. I barely use many. Uh, I'll yeah. buy here and there, but Facebook. Facebook yes. as a completely open platform is a cromulent way to both buy and sell your cards. And this is a pl platform where you probably need to do just as much work, if not more, than working with a vendor to ensure you're going to get your sales. Yeah. So one of the things that I think a lot of people do, and this is, you know, I there have been people that I have ghosted when they PM'd me. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Mm -hmm. There's there's two big things, and one is, you know, be respectful of other people's time as you expect them to be respectful of yours. Mm -hmm. So basically, like, all right, uh, I have cards for sale, and you want one of them that's $2, and that's all you want. If you PM me and say, can I get pics of this $2 card, I am going to ignore you, and I am probably booting you for wasting time. Yeah. Because at that point, it's not worth it. Uh, the other thing that I see a lot of people doing is holds. You can't go to a GP. You can't go to TCG and message a seller and say, hey, uh, I want to buy this card next Friday. Can you hold it for me? They're not going to do that. It's no. It seems like some people think it's this more personal way to interact when it's really just another marketplace like TCG. Yep. You know, like sick deals, high-end, stuff like that are just – an open market similar to TCG with no fees. It, Facebook is actually a more personable version of MOTL, Magic Online yeah. Traders League, where people yep. would post what they're looking to buy or looking to sell, and then it's a forum post, right? So just out underneath would just come the threads. Yeah, uh, which tra Traders League, you know, was great. Nick Koss, the entire Card Titan brand exists because of Nick Koss's presence as the Iron Giant on the Magic Online Trading League. Oh, nice. Like... That is the exact way to put it, is it is a more personal version of the of modal. Yeah. And I think it's important that, you know, not only are you being mindful of people's time because they're taking time when they upload posts to have pictures of their cards, to mm -hmm. have everything priced out, all that. Don't just make it like, okay, you know, I you have these few two, three dollar cards. Can I can I go ahead and get pictures on those? Can I get free shipping thrown in? Yep. Uh, I'm going to pay goods and services. On $3? I, I, 
I will just give it to you so I don't have to deal with the hassle. <laughs> it's like what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's just not worth it. And I think that, you know, it's interesting that the standard is two completely opposite things. Because at a GP, you're much more respectful of the vendor's time. Yeah. But you when be. you're on Facebook, yeah, you should be. You might not be, but you should. On Facebook, though, it's very much a, um, you know, oh, you're just some guy. Their time is just as valuable as the GP vendor. They just choose to use their free time to do it. Yes, it's 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 a weird a weird dichotomy that I see in the economy is that Facebook is just treated so much differently than everything else. Oh yeah, and a lot of people don't seem to understand that if it's a uh, one or a, a small number of items in a lot, it's a race to that first uh, either post on the thread or the PM. And you will yeah. not know what timing looks like on the back end. You will just either be notified that you missed it or get ghosted. Yep. And it's uh, it's it's interesting to exist in as a buyer because things move quickly and you have to move uh, just as quickly. But the the one thing that I think saves a lot of people is even when it comes down to just binder photos, they'll have photos of each page of the binder, right? But like we talked about before, when they get to the higher-end cards, let's say they cost $25, $30, $50 or more, they will have the individual photos of those cards at the end. So people yeah. can take a look at those because those are the cards that others are going to care about because they're going to want to hold them, play them, move them, what have you. And it saves themselves time. They're in essence doing their homework and getting things done ahead of time because this is a platform where there a lot of people just don't want to sit around all day and watch. Yeah. They're going to post it at one point in time, walk away, come back a few hours later, see what happens. Unless it's already in their free time, or they're just gassed to get rid of something. Yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a platform where you have to temper your expectations, be mindful, and be respectful as a buyer. But as a seller, you also have to be prepared to deal with a lot of cruft. Yeah. But, mm. Yeah, it it comes and goes. Uh, I think the the battle was several years ago to try and mold a lot of the groups into shape to ensure that people weren't flooding posts inappropriately, uh, that people within the groups could get references, uh, reference posts made pretty quickly, which I also think is something you need to do ahead of time. Yes. As a buyer, I've never been asked for references, but if I was going to sell anything, I would absolutely ask for references on the same post. You know, yeah. You'll collect your likes or your posts or what have you. And then you need to be ready to just have those or put them up the... Uh, either high-res scans or high-res imagery for larger ticket items. It's going to yeah. it's going to be a question. And you need to figure out how you do th how you want to do things. Some groups allow auction style. Some groups uh, don't. They look for uh, a single number up front, and then payment method is TBD by the group. Yeah. A lot of them do PayPal, uh, GNS, which is generally the acceptable rate. Yeah. Yeah. And then shipping methods within... Uh, the post is described. If you're buying under X dollars, it's PWE. If it's over X, you get free uh, first class with tracking yeah. or whatever. You know, That's something else to keep in mind while you're doing this. It doesn't take long to figure out how to actually interact in this space appropriately, but you're definitely going to have to read through not only the rules, which are very important, but then a yes. few threads to get a, a sense of how things work. Yeah. I think there is um, a... One of the guys in our Discord has a problem selling on, I think it's buy, sell, trade. His stuff yeah. just like sinks to the bottom and nobody cares. And then people have yeah. listed similar or the same cards at a higher price and sold them like instantly. 
So it's definitely a temper ex your expectations kind of marketplace and just don't don't give up. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's it's interesting talking to like, you know, Bernie posts on there a lot. Mm -hmm. He's one of the admins. Uh, where you factor in the Facebook's like influence algorithms is actually huge mm -hmm. because it actually will affect how long your posts stay up top without okay. new comments. And it's something, you know, a little bit silly, but it's something to keep in mind that, you know, this that's how it works. Yes. So. so the deeper understanding of this platform then goes into most others, especially as a seller. If, you're, if your post is just drops, you're just going to have to keep going until people actually start looking through. And you might have to beef up your photography and make things better, more interesting for people to click through. Playing against that algorithm is very important. It's like eBay. There are a lot of things you can do to get your listings to show up top without conversion. Yeah. Because eBay does care sometimes a little more about traffic to the actual auctions than they do interaction with the auctions. But there's a system to be gamed here, and you're going to have to figure that one out for yourself. And it, it's it's a good tool. It just takes a little bit to kind of get into and really really learn. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I'm ready to cut out. How about you? Yep. All Let's right. head to picks. Head to picks. Okay. So uh, my pick for this week is a card that a lot of people have been talking about over the past couple of weeks is a slow gainer. Uh, it is uh, Moldrotha. There we go. The Grave Tide. When Brawl was first demoed, this was one of, like, the generals, right? That's the word for that format? The, yeah, yeah, I think so. So the foil was insane, and the non-foil held solid at about 5, but recently, as of M20, unsurprisingly, we saw a bump, and the average price from about July 8th or 9th on the average is less than the price on the market, which tells us yeah. that there is interest in this card, and we're going to see a spike Doing a little bit of research on this, unsurprisingly, on EDH Rec, we see very clearly that Yarok is one of the new cards within the Moldrotha deck, and vice versa. If you look up uh, Moldrotha as a card, you will see that Yarok is generally the commander that contains Moldrotha. So the value engine that is Moldrotha is now powering Yarok with Panharmonicon, so you can double up on um, that effect and allows you to just play infinite value creatures. How long people are going to be interested in this card? Don't shake your head, dude. Simic Value is dope. <laughs> if, I love it in the lore and combo lists. I'll say that. I, look, I can't imagine it's any slower than trying to win with Gitrog Monster, but this yeah. this definitely seems like a card that's just going to continue to, to trend upwards, but also seems like a card that could hit in a commander set. So I would say this is probably... We know it's in this year's, so we have at least a calendar year to kind of move it on this card, see it crest probably upwards towards $10, especially if we have some really good ETB triggers in the Simic colors. Yeah, yeah that's true. And then you've just got, at that point, start holding your breath every time we hit a commander release and see, all right, is this yeah. the time we're going to get it? Get out. And, you know, yeah. pick your poison there. As far as the foil is concerned, uh, it's about $30 still. Yeah. It looks like. Yeah, yep. the foil was insane. It was sixty when it released, fifty, and then crested down towards twenty-five ish or twenty. Yeah. But yeah, if you can get it on cheap foils, uh, go for it. It's not the version I would recommend. I think there's a lot more room to grow in the non-foil version, especially because of immediately uh, both with Brawl and EDH's commander. This cart was very much sought after and actually fairly hard to find outside a TCG player. It just wasn't yep. in a lot of binders or a lot of cases. I don't, I don't think this card... It's going to be any different after rotation. You have a couple of weeks to get it, and then it's just going to be gone. 
Yeah, and I it's it's interesting because the, I think it was around Kaladesh. Uh, people started noticing that it used to be, you know, your EDH cards would collapse and start gaining a couple months after rotation. Yep. And it started happening earlier and earlier, where, in, like, Paradox Engine uh, started going up, and Immortal Sun has started going up mm-hmm. before rotation. Yeah. Because it's something that, like, people expect it to happen afterwards, and it just happens sooner and sooner. Yep. So I think that this may be one of the last times you're able to get a card like Muldratha that is such a huge EDH staple. Mm-hmm as like on the cheap after rotation oh absolutely I think this is this is the time to get it especially it's in a really nice place because not being able to like not being in the new brawl format is huge yes because all of the focus is on yarok which you mentioned for that so there's no chance for it to retain fringe value based on that either no it, so it just comes and goes and i i honestly expected this to hold a little more value better than it did because the brawl format has technically been supported up until a set or two ago when they kind of canceled it and then revived it but, whatever watsy yeah that, that's neither here nor there i, I yeah. got my copy to build the one brawl deck with moldrotha which was fun for a hot second but yeah that's all it goes you have uh well it's, it's one of our little pet cards so- one of our pet cards as the Cabal, uh, Cabal Stronghold. So it's something that I've noticed has been picking up a little bit just from work. We've been shipping out quite a few orders yep. uh, lately with it. But the foils specifically, and the reason I say that is because, one, this is a card that is going to be reprinted infinitely in Commander product at some point. I, oh. I firmly believe. Yeah. Uh, you know, if Cabal Coffers hit $20... For the non-foil, I think this is the one that they're going to try to print to say, all right, we're going to keep the value down. We're going to keep the value down. Coffers is 50. Yeah, at this point. It's absurd. Now, Cabal Stronghold is a little bit of a downgrade. Yes. But it's from a recent set that has a little bit more exposure, Mm -hmm. and it's TCG low. There's a seller, Deck Factory Gaming right here, has 14 listings right now for 92 cents. For the non-foil, right? For the non-foil. Yeah. Now... That seems pretty good for the non-foil. The reason I say foil is, as always, you can't reprint foils in an EDH product. So this is a plane-specific card, which means it's not likely to see a reprint in a foil set unless it's in a Masters or a Spellbook or whatever awful, terrible fringe promo products they have. Uh, The foils are $3. So... That's pretty affordable for an effect that is in a ton of black decks on EDH. Uh, It's something that's universal in casual tables. This is the type of thing that people love. And it's in a high print run set that was opened a lot. So yes, there's a ton of it out there. Uh, But it's also, I think, really devalued for the effect. Because again, you know, non-foil coffers was twenty, fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. So it would make sense that this goes from TCG high right now. Is we have eight dollars. This could easily be a ten dollar buy list in a year, a year and a half. Yeah. When it hits twenty dollars retail, just through natural demand, and the copies drying up. Yeah. So it's not like mono black doesn't need this. It is. Yeah. 
extremely good in that in any mono black deck you're playing or any black heavy deck. It just because it doesn't work with Urborg doesn't mean it's actively bad. It, it's yeah. actually uh, pretty good. The only thing I'm seeing is that Card Kingdom is buying the promo pack from Core 2020 version for more than the Dominary version. So you have a, a little bit of. Uh, uh, the market on those is but... really weird because like they just came out they're the non-foils that have that planeswalker symbol yep there it's that market i and that that does throw a wrench into you know my pick because i'm not sure how that's going to go honestly i don't know how that's going to affect the market but no, I, it's it's such a low impact buy, and it's they're not they didn't really inject a ton more into the the economy no. with the with these packs. Even if they run for another couple months into rotation, you're still not going to see that many more. I mean, it creates another niche in the the marketplace for people to kind of fall into. But I don't expect it to really have a negative impact on the card overall. Right now, yeah. it could be depressing the price a little bit because you have two versions competing for the same slot. One of them having a cool, interesting little symbol, uh, but yeah. I think as a long-term hold, you're good. And the only way it gets reprinted, really, in Commander is if we go back and we do the mono-colored stuff again. Whether or yep. not that's on the docket, I don't know. And I don't really know if there's a call for them to go back and do things like that because they introduced a little bit of a problem with Planeswalker, the mono-blue Planeswalker Teffrey, where that kind yeah. of crushed CEDH for... No, it, it crushed something yeah. for a little bit. Like, it was just a super popular card. It cost more than the deck's MSRP for a while it, it still might and then uh basically the rest of that set was not a flop it had a really some really nice reprints in it uh for yeah. was is pretty good the nahiri lithomancer uh also pretty good like people play those but the rest of it is just kind of like bygone i think the yeah. cyclonic rift reprint was in there yes it was which shot up to 25 bucks yeah. again so it's not like those things are worthless. It's just for they were good to play against each other. The planeswalkers are pretty cool to play. It was a great idea, but overall they just seemed underwhelming compared to the other commander sets that we received. So I can't imagine we don't go back in there, but this would really be the only time I would see that card printed. Yeah. Again, unless they did something stupid like make another plane chase and put it in there, like Cabal Coffers. Now it's gonna happen. You put it out there. It's gotta happen. Yeah. <laughs> Another set where they give it rarity for un some ungodly reason because that matters. Yeah. Sheet collision. Whatever. No, I, I think Cabal Coffers is just a nice slow or co Coffers Stronghold is just a nice slow gainer over time. It's a very low impact card to pick up on. That's just gonna sit there and gain. You're and you also never have to worry about it getting banned. Yeah. Uh, you know, people who Rip want engine. To, oh, things like Cyclonic Rift too. They yeah. There are enough people that dislike that card that while I did buy into a lot of Flood of Tears, I'm not worried about it. it. Just kind of sits there at the back of my mind. Like if they take out Cyclonic Rift, then the next most similar effect is Tears. Yep. And that could be on the chopping block months or years down the line after that. But it is something to consider that this card will never be taken off or taken out of the format it just kind of it's gonna float along and it yeah. should be pretty easy to pick up actually from binders yeah it's a should non be. it's not constructed playable outside of commander so you should be able to pick these up uh, even out trades maybe just throw ones whatever you need especially towards rotation fnm should be an easy place to pick these up for probably 
60 to 70 percent what they're worth now as they head out of the format in two months like compared yeah. to draw threats probably an easier pickup in regards to a card for card interaction than cash for cards so i don't know i like it it's 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 a nice low impact yeah. pick like i said before and i can get behind it yeah i i think it's good yeah you know casual edh that's my jam yeah i don't know, I don't know. it's good it is. Uh, there's there's some other stuff for casual EDH that we talked about this week on uh, Discord and on Twitter that I, th- I think is also uh, a good place to look and probably, hopefully, ready to pop. Uh, but it remains to be a steady focus yeah. for, and a steady avenue for finance. And I don't, I don't think we're really going to start focusing on that compared to some of the other formats we look at when we're trying to decide on specs and topics. But it's definitely something we're going to keep coming back to and we're going to harp on. So... Pay attention. Yeah. But, Do it. Yep. So, uh, for this week, I am at Halt. I am Reptar. I am at Thirsty Sizzler. We are at MTG Cabalcast on Twitter and Patreon. You can find us there. Feel free to ask us any questions. Uh, if you sign yep. up for our patron, you not only will be entered into our Uma Box giveaway, but you will be able to interact with us over the weekend, and the MC was definitely an interesting time to talk to people, especially as we were tweeting out uh, stats and pickups of ours. Yeah. It's a good time. Uh, and this weekend, I will be at Gen Con, so you can use the AMA channel in there, which, it's interesting because Gen Con is vastly different than any GP. Oh, yeah. So it is a completely different show, and after about 7 p.m. Central, I will probably be incoherent in the AMA channel. So Fair tune enough. in. Uh, Gen Con is also the only place you'll ever find one person towing a train of, like, four to five suitcases, all connected. Yes. So. Uh, yep. It's and up. it's all filled with graded stuff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, you know, any way you want to get in touch with us, especially through Patreon, hit us Please up. Please do. See you yep. guys next week. Or, no, not next week. It's Gen Con. Yeah. So later in next the week. week. Yeah, it, it'll be Monday next week is when we'll record. Okay, fair enough. See you Monday. Cool. Thanks, guys. Bye.